Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> we clean up after too, right? I guess it's up to them to decide that, but how's everybody doing? Yeah? What's up, Miles? You guys excited to be here? Yeah. Yeah? Sweet. We can stand up. We'll start worship, but I think uh, we can pray first, uh, and then we'll just get into worship. Yeah, Father, we just want to thank you for uh, this evening. Lord, it is a privilege just to be able to just sit at your feet. Lord, it's a, it's a privilege to just be together with our brothers and sisters. Uh, none of us have to work right now, and our schedule is just somehow free. But, Lord, we know that you've allowed that to happen so we can be here. So, God, would you just prepare our hearts, and I pray that our minds will just, will just be present. God, we pray that you will just uh, soften our hearts so that we can be able to receive your word. Uh, Lord, and I pray that by the end of this night, that we'll just respond in obedience. I pray they will just speak to all of us specifically the things that, based on where we're at. And, yeah, Lord, we want to be different. We want you to be glorified in our lives. Uh, so, Lord, we use this night. We just want to pray for the worship set, AV, and we just want to pray for Miles as we bring the word. Uh, Lord, would you just set him aside and, yeah, God, just speak through him. And it's in your son's name I pray and believe. Amen. All right. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's a word that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than this song For a song in this song Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my
Did you guys get the Temple Worship album or the CD? Yeah. You guys listen to it? Yeah, you should get it. So this song, I love this song. Um, it's very joyous. I don't know. I don't know David Mule that well, but it's like a man. God is worth to be praised, right? And I don't know. This is just one of those songs. I mean, I bump it all the time in the car because it's like I get to. This is what I feel like when singing it. I just want to like. I wish I had a Tesla, you know, so I don't have to drive. I can just like you know just sing without even driving. <laughs> so yes, I want a Tesla just so I can sing this song. But in all, in a serious note, though, God is worthy to be praised, and uh, there's so much to be thankful for. You guys can just have that in the back of your mind. So we're singing with a new heart, singing with a clean heart to the Lord. Man, just I don't know, man. Just there's so much to be thankful for, and yeah, let's just sing.
Christ we want to let his kingdom come, let his will be done on You guys can have a seat. Uh, do we have announcements? Yeah. Yes. I'll pray. Um, yeah, Lord, thank you. Uh, again, we, we're thankful that uh, we are a new creature. Uh, God, we're thankful for this body. We have brothers and sisters that we can just get to fellowship, sing with together, get to share lives with. Uh, so, Lord, again, we want to beg you that you just speak to us tonight, and uh, I pray that you just uh, have us respond in obedience, Lord. We want to see you glorified in our lives, um, so let us come out of this place a different man and woman that we came in, and we love you. Tina Sons, and I pray and believe. Amen. Y'all look so tired. Okay. Yeah. My name's Miles and I'm excited to be here. We've got some announcements before we dive into the teaching today. And the first is that this Saturday, this Saturday, right here, it's going to become a winter wonderland, and we're going to have an awesome Christmas party. And so you should be here, your, your neighbor should be here, your coworker should be here, your, your classmates should be here, your international friends should be here. Like, this should be like the most bumping party on the block. Uh, you guys aren't feeling that. This should be the most bumping party on the block. Yes. And so if you haven't, like, let's be pushing this. Let's be. So there's one thing to push it on social media and to post stuff. There's a whole nother level when you're personally inviting friends. Right. And so I know that all of us have come into contact with people, whether it's this year or previous years that are here. Um, and that could use a friend, just people reaching out to them, inviting them. In, into your, your life. And so this is an awesome touch point, an awesome opportunity uh, to truly be a friend to others. Um, the Christmas party is gonna be awesome. Uh, if you're coming, you should just plan on wearing an ugly sweater because that's what we do, right? So it's gonna be an ugly sweater, um, Christmas fiasco. Um, and we'll get to share what the, the true meaning of Christmas is all about, right? And so this is something that you want to be inviting friends to if you haven't already. <clears throat> Next is Mission Focus. 
So some of you are very familiar with Mission Focus. How, raise your hand if you've never been to Mission Focus. So there's like a number of us that like, we've never been to Mission Focus. Maybe we don't even know what it is. Uh, Mission Focus is one time throughout the year where the, the church that, that we're in physically right now, uh, Midtown Baptist Temple, we, we gather together. And this is how we bring in the new year every single year. And it's the best way to bring in the new year uh, because as we're entering into 2022, we get our minds focused back on the mission that God's given us, right? Uh, and we see really from beginning from Genesis throughout the entirety of scriptures, this commission to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish, right? And, and that's actually the call that he's given us uh, as New Testament believers, as Christians, where we want to be fruitful in our lives and our evangelism. We want to see souls saved, disciples made, and ministry multiplied throughout the world. And so that, that same commission is true for us as he gave to Adam and to Noah and, you know, to, to all these just, you know, awesome men of God in our Bible. And this is a time together where we get refreshed over that, where we're put in remembrance over that. And, and it's an awesome time to put stakes down, to hold each other accountable, to live a life sold out to, to the mission, to glorify God. Uh, it's a sweet time. Uh, a lot of friends from all over the world and all over the United States usually come in for this. And so it's an awesome time to love on brothers and sisters that we don't typically see on a weekly or a monthly basis. And so you want to be there for that. But, but also our boy, Andrew Ong, will be teaching one of the morning sessions, right? And so one of the morning sessions is actually going to be on uh, reaching internationals. And so if you haven't taken that morning session, I encourage you to be there even just for, for that. It'll be worth it. Um, if you guys don't know Andrew Ong, then you're missing out right and so if nothing else just come to meet Andrew Ong and you'll be better for it he's a a mighty man of God he's a mighty mighty man of God and so uh if you haven't feel free I mean you can go to um Midtown Baptist Temple to mbtkc.org or you can go to lffellowship.com and you can sign up to to, to let us know that you're going to be there and so you can even do that right now on your phone uh and so I would encourage you guys to sign up uh, if you are plugged in, find a, a way to serve too. So I know like Simon came up and asked me, she's like, hey, I want to serve at like the pastor's missionaries dinner. So at the very end of the conference, we have this awesome dinner where we want to love on pastors and missionaries that have invested the word of God in us, right? And so it's an awesome opportunity for us at church to, to love on them. And so like I'll be serving tables there because I'm so thankful for the investments that these pastors and missionaries have made in our lives. And there's opportunities for all of you to, to serve the people that are serving us that, that week. And so if you haven't found a place to serve yet, I would encourage you to go in to find a place to serve. Uh, yeah, because it's worth it. it. It's awesome. It's something that, that we don't have to do, but we get to do. Like they're a blessing to us. How could we bless them, right? And then uh, next, I asked my boy, Brian, if he, do you mind sharing a quick testimony? Okay, cool. So I don't have a slide for this, <clears throat> but kind of the, the next thing that I want to push is airport pickups, right? And so if you haven't already, you can enroll to, to, to offer rides to the airport. I know Julie has been saying, hey, this person's coming in. Like there's opportunities for us to serve and, and we don't want to be late to that. We, like, we want to jump on opportunities to serve others and to love on them. And picking someone up from the airport is such an easy way of doing that, right? Uh, we could be their, their first contact as they come into the United States. And so we want to take advantage of this. Uh, we have a system where, where people can re request rides. 
And to the best of my knowledge, there's still, there's at least two men that are still waiting for rides to be paired for, for airport pickups. And so if you don't know what that means, if you don't know how to access that, if you have questions about that at all, grab me or your Bible study leader. Uh, because again, this is an opportunity that we don't want to pass up. This is a way that we get to serve others and be a blessing to them uh, and really just show Christ's love uh, th through our actions and even in our conversation. And so Brian, I was just going to have you share just testimony of what airport pickups meant for you uh, since you've been here. Thank you, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hey, so if you guys don't know me, which I think you all do, my name is Brian, and uh, I'm from Malaysia. And uh, I'm an international student. I've been here for close to two years now, which is a long time. Um, so I'm not here to talk about myself, but it's about airport pickup. So long story short, I am an international student from Malaysia, and then I transferred over to UMKC. And then that's where I met um, Pastor Andrew Wong and Larry. So they picked me up from the airport. And uh, man, the first time I met them was just crazy because it was the first time I actually felt um, the love of Christ. And uh, you know, back in Malaysia, love is really a superficial thing. You kind of show it to people in order to gain something. But then when I met Andrew and Larry, man, they just kept showing me love unconditionally, you know, send me to my home, went to send me to my, my classes, went to get groceries for me. And I was just blown away. Right. And it was through this love of Christ that got me curious. I was, I remember thinking as a man, who's Andrew? This guy is like kind of weird. He's kind of like, like he doesn't want anything from me, but he keeps loving like, man, this, this has kind of, kind of sus, but like, <laughs> like I want to know this so they kept inviting me to bible study to to prayer night and then man I just kept coming because I was just I, I'm just attracted to it and then um uh, long story short I got saved after that and then man uh I just I can say that I'm man I'm a direct fruit from um, F um airport pickup and it makes me think of Naveen as well and Naveen is from airport pickup too and I, I got the we got the privilege to connect with him and man what a, what a privilege to, to be able to go to airport just to pick an uh, international student that some of them have never left their country at all. And to be able um, to share the love of Christ to them, man, it, it means the whole world to them. And, um, and yeah, so if you don't have, you don't have to pick up all the students uh, up, but I urge you to consider just to invest in one international student. And man, it's just an awesome privilege to do that. And like Mal said, you know, uh, we don't have to go to the nations. The, the nations come to us and we get to invest in them. So that's, yeah, that's my little, little spiel. See. need to record that, Brian. Then we can just like play a promo video. That's great. <laughs> okay, so you heard it. You want to be a part of airport pickups is what I heard. Did you guys hear the same thing? Yes. Okay, so if you've got questions, holla at your boy and we'll get you hooked up. Um, last but not least, uh, Danny, your, your sister's coming. So y'all, it's not just any international student. It is the, the queen of India is coming. She's way nice. She's way sweeter. I'll say that than, than Danny. Um, Bethany's awesome. Bethany's awesome. We're really, really, oh yeah. Yeah. 
Your is your your mom's coming too? No. Okay, but your dad is. Man, we need to get your mom over here. So Danny's mom is like the best cook. And so we need to get over here for like a tasty Thursdays or something. And to just get her cooking is yeah, that'd be awesome. Does can Bethany cook too? Maybe. <laughs> we'll find out. Okay, we'll put it to the test. But she, so she's coming and the 19th, I think. I'll get details. I'll put it in the chat. Uh, but the 19th, we're going to do like a welcome party for her. And so we just want to love on her. She's family. Uh, she's our, our sister. And so um, Chris and Christine Best are opening up their home. And we're, you're all invited. And so if you can, you should be there. It's going to be awesome. Um, the, you know, this is her first time uh, living in the United States. And so uh, we just want to love on her and invite her into to our family. And so if you can plan on being there, I'm going to post details about that in the chat. And so just keep an eye out for it. Um, and let's just rally our Bible studies to, to really get behind that. It's just an easy way to, to show love. Um, that's all I got for announcements. Instead of me praying, can you like turn to your partner? There's, so there's a lot that's going on here, right? We've got Christmas party. We've got mission focus. Uh, we've got airport pickups. Uh, we've got the Erla's coming to town and man, we're, we're just good enough to like, to mess all this up, right? We're, we're good enough to, to put on an event and to, to labor in vain. And, and, and I don't want that to be the testimony of what we're doing. And so turn to your neighbor or get into two, groups of two to three to four. Uh, and let's just pray over these, these four things um, that, that God would bless it, that God would be in it, uh, that we could be intentional in inviting friends uh, that there would be fruit that remains from, from these things, uh, that there would be people that are curious in who Jesus is and uh, that they would come to understand the, the message of the gospel and, and receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And so we're going to have just a short season of prayer and then we'll dive back in, okay?
Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to gather together as brothers and sisters. And we thank you that there's opportunities for us to, to own the ministry and to invest. And uh, Lord, it, it gets to look fun because we're all in it together. And so Lord, as much as a Christmas party is a good time to gather together and to have, you know, uh, you know a festive celebration, uh, we understand that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and he humbled himself uh, and he loved, he loved us. He, he lived among us. He dwelt among us, Lord. Uh, and he ultimately sacrificed his life for us, Lord. And so, Lord, we're so thankful for his first coming and we're, we're so eager in anticipation of him coming again. And so, Lord, we do pray that through the Christmas party uh, that we could introduce friends to, to the person of Christ, uh, that, that many would hear the gospel, that, that many would be saved. Um, and that many uh, would know that they have true friends that love unconditionally. I'm so thankful for Brian and Naveen and Lord for the opportunity to pick up students from the airport. Uh, Lord, help us to be wise stewards of this opportunity uh, and to, to see it not as a burden, but as, a, as an opportunity, you know, something that we get to do. And so, Lord, we, we just pray that we'd have opportunities to make many touch points and uh, to build genuine friendships and relationships with people that are coming here and that just need rides in the airport. Uh, and uh, lastly, Lord, uh, we, we pray for, for Andrew and Rachel Ong. Um, and what, what incredible ministers, and I've learned so much from them, Lord. And uh, Lord, they're, they're preparing to, to, to leave for, for Vietnam. Uh, and uh, Lord, there's an opportunity for, for Andrew to, to teach during the, the missions conference. And so Lord, we do pray uh, that, that you would establish the, the work in Vietnam and that you'd use Andrew and the team uh, just to glorify you, uh, to, to extol the name of Jesus Christ in the nations, Lord. And so, Lord, we, we, we trust you with, with all this, with our time together. Uh, we are just desperate people. Uh, we acknowledge uh, how weak, uh, how limited, um, you know, we are, Lord. And, and yet, uh, you love us, and yet you're, you're with us, and, and yet you're all-powerful and mighty, and so, Lord, we're just desperate that you would move. Uh, and so, Lord, we, we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> okay. That's a good way to, to start, huh? Man, guys, in, unless God does this, this is all vain. Like, we can go through the motions. We can put on, like, we can make the best food in the world. And, you know, we're, we're not accomplishing anything for the kingdom, right? And so... Uh, Man, just as we continue, as we go into the next semester, uh, let's be desperate. Uh, let's, uh, let's pray together and let's prioritize that time. I think about like the, the greatest missions movement and cross-cultural uh, witnessing opportunity like ever in Acts and, and Pentecost, right? And these folks, they're up in the upper room and they're desperate because Jesus, like Christ in the flesh was with them and then he wasn't. Like this dude got took up and he like, disappeared into the cloud is like like a mic drop moment and they're like yo what do we do now jesus isn't with us and so they went to the upper room and it says that they continued in one accord in prayer and they did that until jesus showed back up until the, the holy spirit came and and took up residence in them and then they go out and man like no one could stop them like the testimony is that they turned the world upside down they, they started speaking and tongues that they didn't even know. 
and the gospel message was going out and people were hearing about the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and, and all these different languages. And they're having this incredible cross-cultural ministry opportunity where they, we need that, right? And unless we're desperate, unless the, the spirit's moving, unless we're, we're in one accord praying, trusting God to do the work, man, it's in vain. And so we can never lose sight of that. Like we're, we're a pretty cool, like, campus organization and, and ministry, but we're, we're not cleaning. Like, we're, who are we, right? And so, yeah, I don't know. Don't, don't forget that. Uh, we're going to be back in Genesis 39. And so feel free to turn there. We're going to hang out with our boy Joe again. Uh, man, this has been a, a great study for me. It's been a huge blessing. And so if you've been with us, I, I hope that you're, you're enjoying it. Uh, last time that we met up, uh, we set up just some of the context as uh, Joseph, he was entering Egypt, and we acknowledged that he was 17 old. And, you know, uh, like some of you, uh, he, he's coming into Egypt, and it was a, a new culture, uh, and it was a, a new language, and he'd be missing some of the comforts of home. And he went from the, the favorite child in his father's household uh, to a slave in Egypt. And so this would have been just like a crazy transition for him. Like this would be just completely jarring. And we learned that Joseph entered the household of this guy named Potiphar. And Potiphar, he was an officer uh, to, to Pharaoh. And that meant that he was a leader within the nation uh, of Egypt. And so he would be leading the security detail for, for Pharaoh's like secret service, right? And so this guy is like, the, the head of the secret service of Egypt, like crazy. And he just happens to end up uh, in, in this guy's home. So this is a big deal. Uh, you know, Potiphar, he's a power, person of power. He's a person of prestige within the nation. Uh, and so Joseph went from being down on his luck, right? He, he went from being down in the bottom of the pit. And, and here in chapter 39, verse two, it tells us the Lord was with Joseph. And this was huge, right? At his lowest point, you know, we, we learned that even his family had abandoned him, right? Joseph's own brothers had, had turned their backs on him and sold him into slavery. And God did it. God was with him even in Egypt. And so we, we focused last time that we met on that phrase, the Lord was with him. And we saw that the presence and the nearness of God was directly tied to our worship, Right, to, to our worship, to acknowledging God for who he is, to, for acknowledging God for, for what he's done. And, you know, I think about Solomon building this temple, and he made this extravagant worship as he was building the temple. And you see that God came and, and he filled the temple. The presence and nearness of God, we, we learned, is also tied to our relationship with his word. Word. And we looked at the example of Samuel and how Samuel let none of God's word. And this time where, where Israel, they, there's no open prophecy. There's no new words from God. And yet Samuel, this little kid, God started communicating with them, right? And, and he let none of God's word fall to the ground. And it says that the Lord just considered Jesus, who's the word made of us, he came to dwell among us, to tabernacle with us. And then lastly, we saw that the presence and the nearness of God was directly tied to our yielding to the spirit. 
us yielding to the spirit. Uh, the, the beautiful gift and promise that we have is of this comforter who's not always inside of us, right? He's a comforter that dwells inside of us. He's always with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us, right? There, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And so despite our circumstances, God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And so this is where we find ourselves in Genesis 39, right? Joseph, he, he's in Egypt. And Egypt, again, is this beautiful picture of the world and this world system. And so he, he's in this place and he's hit rock bottom. He's come in as a slave and yet the Lord is with them. And so we see a glimmer of hope, right? And so in Genesis 39, verses one, it says that Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. What a testimony. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. And so today we're going to consider uh, what it means to be a servant in this world. What it means to be a servant in this world. Here we find Joseph as a servant, right? He's a slave in Egypt. And, and you can imagine, right? So Again, Joseph, he's 17 years old. Uh, he, he's coming from a, a place of privilege, right? He, he probably had it pretty good with his dad. He had this coat of many colors. He's coming from the, the, this place uh, of privilege. He, he had an inheritance waiting for him back at home. And so th there's no reason for him and his mind to be here as a slave, as a servant. And so it'd be very easy for him to have a bad attitude, to be frustrated, to drag his feet, to, you know, to, to mutter under his breath. Like just to, to, just to be frustrated, right? To, to, to be down. You know those people that, that you work with? It's like there's always something wrong with them. Like it's never their fault. Life is just happening to them. And they're just like an Eeyore. Like just, ah, you know, and they're moving slow and just dragging their feet. Man, Joseph, if you think about it, he, he had every right to be in that place. There, it's nothing that he did right? He, he was a good son to, to his father, and yet his brothers had sold him into slavery. And yet his testimony couldn't be further from that. It wasn't that he was lazy. It wasn't that he was dragging his feet. It wasn't that, that he was down on himself. It wasn't that he was super sad and just carried that around everywhere he did, went, right? And instead, this, he, he had a testimony of working hard, right? As unto the Lord, he had a testimony uh, of being a good servant to his master, to, to Potiphar. And so despite his situation, it appears that he, he was a hard worker, that he had a good attitude. And with that, he, he gained the favor of his master. And so I believe that we have a, a great deal to learn from Joseph and as we study his life in, in all areas, but, but to particularly today in terms of what it means to be a good servant, what it means to be a good servant. And I know some of you are like, I'm not a servant. And so this, this doesn't apply to me. And that's not true. 
If you read your Bible, it says that all of y'all are servants, right? You could be a servant to sin or you could be a servant to righteousness. Like, ooh, yeah, someone's a servant. All y'all are servants. You're serving something, right? And so the Bible says that you could serve sin, or you can serve righteousness. And just as uh, Joseph was a servant in Egypt, we, we are servants in this world, but we have to be careful not to be servants to this world. A lot of people operate in bondage to this world. And so they, they are serving this world system. They're serving their flesh. They're serving the devil. They're, they're serving sin. And so we have to be in this world, but not of this world. And what I mean by that is that this world is not our master. And instead, we serve righteousness. We serve Jesus Christ, and we don't serve this world. And so Paul, he, he's just the, the master of laying this out. And he'd say this just very, very plainly. As you consider some of the epistles that he's writing to the churches that he's speaking to, I think about Romans 1, I think Philippians 1, um, uh, he, he begins the, the, these epistles by saying, you know, I, I'm Paul, a servant to Jesus Christ. In Philippians 1, it's uh, Paul and, and Timotheus, a servant of Jesus Christ, right? And so he's positioning himself, he's identifying himself as a servant to Christ. And because of that, man, he gets to be a servant to all is what we find out, right? Paul identified himself as a servant to Jesus Christ, uh, but he takes it a step further once you get to 1 Corinthians and he confesses that he in service to Christ has made himself a servant to the entire world, right? Not, not putting himself in bondage to this world, but in service to this world to the extent that he could gain souls. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, it says, for though I be free from all men, right? I'm not in bondage to anyone, right? Because Jesus Christ bought me. Like the, the, the only person that, that I'm under is the person of Christ. I'm not in bondage to anybody. I'm a free man. Yet I've made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And then he goes on to talk about unto the circumcised as circumcised, unto to those under the law as the, under the law, like, like he's making himself anything for, for anybody that he might reach some, right? And that has to be our mentality. We are in this world not to, 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 to gain from this world, right? Not to become someone in this world, but, but that we might serve this world. Uh, I think about the, the testimony, the example that Jesus Christ gave us, right? Uh, he came not to be served, but to serve, right? And that's the selfless mentality that Christ had. And as servants, as, as little Christ, as Christians, that's the mentality that we're to have. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man, and this is speaking of Jesus, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. In Philippians 2, verse 7, it says, But made himself, this is speaking of Jesus, of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant. He became someone that, that, that's humble, that smalls himself in service to others and was made in the likeness of men. And so the, really, I want us to understand whether you know it or not, that God has called you to be a servant, right? If we are in Christ, if, if, if God is our father, then we're, we're supposed to be in service to him, right? If we call him master, if we call him Lord, that means we're acknowledging our position as servant, Right? a slave. Paul would even call himself a prisoner to Christ, right? And so we have to understand our position is that of a servant, and we could be a good servant or we could be a bad servant.
and we should be good servants. We should be good servants to God uh, that, that he might be glorified, right? Um, because he's worth it, because he's a good master, right? He's not a bad master. But also, we, we also have to understand that, raise your hand if you're an employee. Uh-oh, see, y'all are servants too. You didn't know that, did you? Yeah, you got a boss and you're, you're in service to your employer as well. And so there's two contexts to this, right? So just like, like Joseph, he, he was accountable to his boss, which happened to be his master who, who happened to buy him out of slavery. Um, but he's also accountable to, to God, to, to the Lord, the person uh, that has the power to redeem souls. And so we as well, uh, we are servants. Uh, we are in service within the context of our, our occupation, but we're, we're also in service within the context of our lives to the God of creation. And so we're going to look what it means to, to, to be a servant and what it means to, to be a good servant, right? And again, this is not a convenient or, or a popular position to take. That is a servant, right? Uh, but if we're going to be conformed to the image of Christ, we just saw that, that, that Christ humbled himself, right? They came to, to minister, not to be ministered to. He came and put on the form of a servant. And so if we're going to be uh, conformed to the image of Christ, then, then, then servant is one of those things. It's going to be part of our identity. That's who we are. And it means that we have to humble ourselves to, to, to sacrifice, to love people sacrificially, to serve others, and to serve God. And so if we're called to be a servant, the, the, the big question is, what does that practically look like with our lives? How, how do we do that? What, what does that mean? And so we're going to consider the life of Joseph and look uh, how he worked hardly as unto the Lord. And we consider uh, just within the, the, the New Testament context, uh, what does it look for, like for us as servants to, to, to operate today? And so, you know, within the, the New Testament, we see it speak about this idea of being a servant quite often. Uh, we see it in Titus 2, we see it in Colossians 3, uh, Ephesians 6. Uh, all of these, you know, Paul talks about really at length uh, what it means to be a servant. And Titus 2, verse 9, it says, Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. And it will continue into verse 10. In Colossians 3, 22, it says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh not with eye service as men's pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. In Ephesians 6, verse 5, it says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto, the, as unto Christ. And so what do you think an expect, just a reasonable expectation of a servant would be? Look at this. What, what, what do you see in common? This is the first thing that he's exhorting about servants and three. Ah, oh, see, you get, you guys should be up here, not me. That, that's, that's right. Yeah. Servants are to be obedient, right? Servants are to be obedient. Would God expect us to be obedient to our masters and to those who have rule of us? Absolutely. Like that, that's the, the reasonable expectation. And again, as we consider Jesus Christ, as we see his earthly ministry, we see him operating in light of this. It's constantly not my will be done, but your will be done. It's not my words, it's God's words. 
right? He's constantly submitting to the will of the father and not his own because he was a servant and he understood that. He understood his role. But even within the context of leadership, this is so, so beautiful and so, so unique. Typically in the world system, man, because I am somebody, now you have to serve me. And Jesus said, nah, because I'm someone, I get to serve you. Wow, that's like paradigm shift, crazy, right? And so, yeah, we, we, we are to, to, to be obedient. We're, you know, servants are to be obedient. And we see that Joseph exemplified this, right? Uh, he was obedient to his master. He worked hardly as unto the Lord, and he was diligent with the things that were put in front of him. And with this, he found grace in the sight of his master. And, and his master acknowledged the work and the service that he had done. In verses two through three, we see that Joseph was committed to the work that was in front of him. And the Lord makes everything in his hands to prosper, right? Whatever was in his hands, it prospered. And, and the cool part of this is that that Potiphar, it says that he sees this, he saw this. He took notice of the fact that whatever was in Joseph's hands, it prospered. And because Potiphar is no dummy, right? He's an officer in, 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 in the Pharaoh's court. He said, okay, anything that's in his hand prospers. So I should probably put more things in his hand. That's just like reason and logic, right? And so we see that he, he keeps putting more things and more things into Joseph's hand. By verse five, it says that he put all that he has into Potiphar or into Joseph's hands. Potiphar, this officer in Pharaoh's court, put everything that he had in Joseph's hands. In verse five, it tells us that Joe was made overseer over all that he had, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had. Right. And so we see that that Potiphar, he put everything into Joseph's hands, but then he's waiting and he's observing his seeing. And it says that once Potiphar saw that this continued blessing was upon everything that was in his hands, it says that he decided to, to leave it in his hands, right? It's almost like he, he put it there and it's just like, all right, I'm, I'm going to catch it. It's like, oh, no, Joseph's doing good. Cool. I, I can leave it there. And so everything that, that, that Joseph did, it prospered. So he added more to it. It continued to prosper. And now he's like, cool. Like, I trust you. Have your way, right? And so our key point number two is that as we are faithful with little, we can be entrusted with more. And this is true of our lives in, in two areas, right? Uh, again, we're, we're talking about what it means to be servants. And we acknowledge that as employees, we're, we, we serve our employers. But also uh, as children of the living God, we, we serve the God of creation. And as we're faithful with, the Bible says, with unrighteous mammon, right? With, with the things of this world, with our, with our finances, with, with, with our employment, Man, as we're faithful with those things, we're going to be entrusted with more. But also spiritually, as we're, as we're good stewards, as we're faithful with the things that he's entrusted us with, he can trust us with more. Man, man he's given us, like, he's so, so given us, so, just so richly, right? He, he saved my soul, and he gave me a message of the gospel. That this thing that just completely changed my life, it made me a new person. I'm a new creature now because of the gospel message, the, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that's something that he's given me, and he's called me to be a faithful steward of. And he doesn't want me to bury it in the ground and to hide it for later, but to invest it, right? We get to be investors. We get to, 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 to give these transactions of the gospel and trust God that that would multiply, right? Just like Blake and Julie multiplied, like that, man, that we'd be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth with people that know, that love God and want to be servants to others. That's what we get to do. That's what we get to do. 
In Luke 16, verse 10, it says, he that is faithful with that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. In Proverbs 22, verse 29, it has this beautiful picture and test, like example that, that Joseph pictures just like perfectly. It says, seest thou a diligent, a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men, right? Man, he's just living this out perfectly. I think about uh, my wife. She's not here, so I can brag on her. So Lisa, uh, she works at Whole Foods and she started there. She, she quit being a teacher, right? And so she's working at, at Hi-Hat for, for a season, just trying to figure out where she wanted to be. And she saw that Whole Foods was hiring seasonal workers. And so last year she, she joined Whole Foods team as a seasonal worker. And so she, she started working there and she was working hard. Uh, she did simple things like she showed up on time every day and she did her job and she was very, very nice and personable. Um, and she worked the whole time that she was like, she, she was doing these things. And before long, they're like, man, this chick is awesome. She's faithful with that, which is least. So let's give her like a full-time job. Forget the seasonal stuff. Like you need to be a part of this team because you, you're, you're blessing the, this workplace, right? We, Whole Foods is blessed because you're here, which this is the, the, the promise that God gave Abraham, right? I'm going to make you a blessing to the nations. Wow. And we see that here in Joe. Uh, but Lisa, she, she was faithful with the things that were in front of her. And so they gave her a full-time job, right? Don't have to worry about the seasonal stuff. You're here. You're a part of the team for good. And so she's super excited. And, and just because she's on the team, it's not like a baseball contract where you get this 10-year contract so you can like relax for the next three years. And as the contract comes up, you have to start working hard again. No, she, she's continuing to show up on time and she's working hard and she's doing her job and, and she's being nice to people and she's encouraging the, her other coworkers and loving on them well. And they're like, yo, this girl is awesome right? She, she's doing her job so well. And I can see so clearly that she has a heart for this team. Like you, you could just come up and do your job or you could be a shift supervisor. And so she's like, really? Like you would do that? Me? Like, yeah, you'd be the perfect person because you're faithful and the things are in front of you. We want to give you more. And so she's a shift supervisor and she's doing that and she's showing up on time and she's doing her job and she's being kind to people. And then she, she sees what her, her bosses are doing. And she says, hey, I, I see, it looks like you've got a lot on, on your plate there. Can, can I help you out? And so she doesn't get paid to do their job, but she's figuring out the things that they're doing. And she's helping them do the things that they should be doing. And she's like, oh, do you need me to make a sketch? Like, she's just figuring out what they need to be done. And she's doing them. Not asked of her, not expected of her, but she's finding ways to go above and beyond the, her requirements. And so she starts doing that and they're like, yo, like you're already doing this job. Like, do you want to just get paid like you're doing this job? And we're going to make you not just a shift supervisor, but we're going to make you a manager. And now my wife went from seasonal employee to manager within a year at Whole Foods. And it's like, man, we could say that Lisa's awesome and plug Lisa is awesome. <laughs> but God and Lisa is awesome, right? And she took her job, not as just this thing that she shows up to, but she realized and acknowledged that as I'm serving here, I get to serve as unto the Lord. And that this thing gets to be an example, a testimony that can glorify God. And through that, man, she's different in her workplace. 
and people know that about her. It's like that's not normal. Like your 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 work ethic, the the way that you love and that you care for this team, it's different. And so people ask her stuff. They you know they, they ask her about why she's different, and through that she gets to have open conversations, and she's gotten to to lead a coworker to the Lord. And at this Christmas party, I mean, one of her other coworkers is going to be there. And so you guys should be at a Christmas party. Shameless plug for the Christmas party. Um, but it's awesome. She's just a great example of being faithful with the little things that are put in front of her. And, and God's been able to entrust her with more over and over again in every aspect of her life. And so for Joseph, all this trust came as a result of what Potiphar could see, right? Potiphar is a man about results. And I'm sure that Joseph, he would have spoken eloquently and articulately, and he would have boldly proclaimed that, you know, who he is and where he came from and how he serves the one true God. Uh, and I'm sure that he would have had opportunities to, to share this with, with Potiphar. And man, you know, I'm different, you know, because of, of God in me. And, and he, well, I guess it wouldn't have been God in him at that point, would it? No, but, but God with me. For sure, the Lord is with him. Um, but but he probably had those types of conversations with Potiphar. Like, hey man, I know that like you're named after like sun, like after Ra, the, the sun god. And I'm sure that's interesting. But man, can I tell you about my God? You know, he, he would have had opportunities. We can speculate uh, to, to share about the God of his fathers, right? That he came from. But but the key here is that it wasn't his conversation. Well, it was his conversation, but it wasn't his his speech. Uh, that, that, that got Potiphar all sideways, right? It was Potiphar considering the fruit of his life. It says over and over again that Potiphar saw, right? That, that, that Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him. That, that, that Potiphar saw that everything in his hands was blessed. And so the key here is Joseph's conversation. It's his work. It's his actions. The thing that Potiphar saw served as a testimony towards his God and towards his goodness, and so our key point number three is that our conversation, and that's for good or for bad, will always travel further than our words. Our conversation, and guys, what do I mean by conversation? What, do, what does that mean? What's that? Yeah, it's our manner of life, right? It's our citizenship. It's the way in which that, 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 that we, we hold ourselves. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 12, it gives this beautiful definition. Sometimes when we hear that word conversation, like the, the way that we use it today, it's just a matter of speech, right? It's us having, uh, you know, communicating back and forth. Like if me and Edibon had a conversation, we'd just be chatting up like bros, right? Uh, but, but most of the times when you see this word conversation in the Bible, it's not talking about our speech. It's talking about the way in which we, we live our lives, right? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, it says, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works. So this conversation is tied to this idea of good works. Uh, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. In Philippians 1 verse 27, it says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come to see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. And so that word conversations tied to this idea of their affairs, the way in which they, that they carry themselves, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And so we see that, that our conversation for good or for bad will always travel further than our words. 
and, and you guys know this, right? We can talk all day, but if our, if our speech doesn't match up to our lifestyle, then everybody sees through that. Everyone sees through it. And so Joseph, he could talk about the God that he loved and that he served and, uh, you know, the, 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 these moral things that he's doing. But if his actions didn't show that, it, it meant nothing. Potiphar could look at Joseph's life and he can see these qualities and these aspects pouring out of his life. And he could say, ah, that his God does bless him. There, there's something to that, right? We see the same testimony in the life of Daniel. Wow, like there's no one like Daniel in all the kingdom, right? We, we see it in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Like these dudes were different. And the way that they lived their lives was a living testimony to the living God. And so should ours. In Titus chapter two, it talks about these qualifications or these exhortations to servants, right? We, we saw uh, that just a, a little bit ago. Uh, but one of the exhortations is, you know, it starts in verse nine and goes on in verse 10. It says, showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our savior in all things. I love that man, that, that you would adorn yourself with this thing, that you would wear it and, and everything that you do, that people can see visibly that there's a distinction, a difference in the way that you, you live and move and, and, and have your being, right? And so Joseph is this beautiful picture uh, in the Bible of what it means to be a servant. And again, all of us are called to be a servant, whether in our workplace uh, and definitely in this world unto the Lord. Uh, next, as we move into verse seven, it says, and it came to pass, after these things, that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. Oh, this turned quickly, right? We went from Joseph being this awesome servant to God, and he's serving the Lord, and suddenly, just like that, you know, everything's being blessed in his household, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joe and said, lie with me. Came out of the, like left field, right field. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, behold, my master, and this is an incredible servant, isn't it? Wadeth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath in my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Man, my service unto him is as unto the Lord, right? So if I do this, it's not just a sin to my master, it's a sin to the living God. And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And so this temptation is coming daily, day and day and day. It doesn't just knock once, it keeps coming over and over again and you had to withstand it. And it came to pass, just like Jesus was standing the walls of the devil for a season, right, is what it says. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. And there was none of the men of the house there within. And she got him by his garment, saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me. And I cried with a loud voice, and it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried. They left his garment with me and fled 
and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant, which thou hast brought unto us, came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did the servant, thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. That's messed up, isn't it? So, so here we, we find Joseph being a good servant to his master, a good servant to the Lord. And again, it, man, like life just keeps happening to this dude. He, he doesn't deserve it. It's nothing that, that he's bringing upon himself. He's serving God righteously. He's serving his master righteously. And as he's doing this, everything's being blessed. And, and the master's wife takes notice. And she's like, yo, like, I want me some Joe. And so she starts pursuing him, right? Hey, lie with me. To just lie with me. And we see Joseph refuse time after time after time. And finally, there's no one else in the house. There's no one else there. And she's trying to get him to lie with her. And she grabs him by his garment. And he says no. And he literally flees. He flees the fornication, right? He runs. And she still has his garment. And so she sees this as an opportunity to get over on Joseph. And so she tells everybody else in the house that Joseph tried to lie with her, that Joseph tried to seduce her, that, that Joseph tried to, to mock their household. And then she tells her master, Joe's master, her, her, her husband, the, the same thing. And it says that his wrath is kindled. And so this is messed up. You know, we, we, we talk about Joseph being a good servant, you know, and Titus too. Uh, one of the exhortations to these servants is that they wouldn't be uh, purloining, which is like a weird word. Uh, but that means that they, they wouldn't be keeping for themselves, that they wouldn't be stealing from their masters. And, and we see here, Joseph acknowledged, hey, this isn't for me. Like you are my master's wife and, and you're not for me. And so I'm not going to purloin. I'm not going to steal from my master what doesn't belong to me. And, and so he, he exemplifies time after time and over and over again, this person that's just a beautiful servant uh, that doesn't de deserve the things that are coming at him. And yet he finds himself time after time, just getting the, the, the shaft, right? It, it just, it's, it's messed up, right? He, he's the greatest servant. He's his chief steward. You know, he, he was entrusted with the entirety of, of his master's household. He went from, from rock bottom to, man, he was sitting high on the horse again, right? He had it good. He was the number one man and a chief officer's house in the land of Egypt. And as is so common with great victory and great success comes great temptation. We see this pattern over and over and over again within the scriptures, right? With great victory, with great success comes great temptation. And so today we see Joseph as a beautiful picture of what pursuing purity in the midst of temptation looks like what pursuing purity in the midst of temptation looks like. Uh, we have to be vigilant. We have to decide now how we will respond when temptation comes knocking. Because it's not if temptation comes knocking, it's, it's, it's when, right? And, and as we see, it won't let up. Temptation will knock, 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 and keep knocking. It'll just keep coming in your life. You don't graduate to some level of spiritual maturity where it's suddenly like, I'm not tempted with anything. 
Like if you think, man, man, finally I've, I've elevated to this place where I, I know the Bible in such a way, I've got the Holy Spirit in me in such a way that, man, I'm not tempted in any way. That's not biblical. Like, like if that's what you're pursuing, if that's what you think, uh, now I'm not tempted in these ways. Like that's, that's not true, right? But, but when we're tempted, how will we respond? That, that's a sign of maturity. How are we going to respond? <clears throat> we have to decide up front how we'll respond. Consider the, the testimony of, of Daniel in Daniel chapter one, verse eight. It tells us that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Going into this horrible situation, he purposed in himself that he will not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with wine, which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself, right? I'm making this intentional decision up front. And we see that guide him for the rest of his time, for the rest of his time throughout the book of Daniel. God calls us to be holy because he is holy. And so let's learn from Joseph how we ought to respond when temptation comes knocking. And so our key point number one is that no temptation is impossible to overcome. And this is something that I've heard. I've heard people say that, that they couldn't, like that, that it was that, like they had some special position where it's impossible for them to resist these things that are in front of them. And it's not true. Uh, he, he always makes a way for escape. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. And that should be a great comfort to you. Anything that you're going through, anything that you're experiencing, you're, you're not alone in that. Others have gone through that same thing. There, there, there's no temptation, but such is common by man. But God is faithful, and he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it, right? No temptation is impossible to overcome. It's a lie. God promises that there's always a way out. One of the troubles is, is that the longer that we entertain these temptations, that, that window for escape gets smaller and smaller, right? The, the, the further that we go into that thing, that, that we dig ourselves into that hole, and we're making it harder for ourselves. Uh, but too often, our problem is that instead of looking for a way out, we're, we're actually looking for an excuse to sin. Isn't that true? So often, whenever these, these temptations, these things come to us, man, instead of us looking for a way of escape that he promises us, we're actually looking for an excuse to indulge ourselves, to, to, to give in to these desires of our flesh, to, to give in. Consider David in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Uh, it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings went forth to battle. And so David, he's finally, he's established his throne, right? And, and we see the long journey through First and 2 Samuel to, to, to David uh, get to, to the throne on Israel. And it's this time when, when, when kings go to battle and we see that instead of David being engaged in the mission, being engaged in the battle that God has him in, that he sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged uh, Rabbah. And David carries, uh, tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. 
And so here we, we, we find temptation like lying on his rooftop, like li li literally, right? Lying on his rooftop. Uh, and he has an opportunity here to engage or to, to disengage, right? To, to, to make provision to the, for the flesh or to, to, to turn and to, to run, to flee. And verse three, it says, and David sent and inquired after the woman, right? There's a way for escape. And instead he, he looked for an opportunity, he looked for a reason to indulge himself, to, to enter into sin. And unfortunately, so often uh, that's our mistake, he, God promises a way out, and yet we're, we're looking for opportunities to sin. Joseph, he had a proper view of this master-servant relationship, right? Uh, the, the way that he, he viewed God allowed him to, to view this situation properly. He, he saw that, that his master's wife was not his own, and, and that everything that he was doing was in light of his identity as a servant and in service to his Lord. And because his God was holy, he desired to be holy. Key point number two is that temptation seeks vulnerability. Temptation seeks vulnerability. And it's interesting, you know, we, we talked about how Joseph was high on the horse and how temptation so often comes after great success. And, and you don't think about that, but you, you're actually, maybe you're most vulnerable after your greatest successes, Right? It starts going to your head. I'm, I'm invincible. I'm unstoppable. What can, like, what can bring me down, right? And, and so it's whenever we're, we're propped up and set up by our, our newest and our latest and our greatest accomplishments about who we are and, and how great we are, that, man, we're just getting set up for the okie doke, right? To, to, to come tumbling down. So often, uh, you know, after uh, great successes, we, we are the most vulnerable. Joseph was in a position of vulnerability here. Uh, obviously, he, he went from being low, low, low to, to becoming high again uh, on the horse and being a leader within Potiphar's household. Uh, but, but he's also vulnerable in the fact that he had no accountability. He's a 17-year-old kid. He doesn't have a father figure. He doesn't, he's not a church to be accountable in, right? There, there's no one checking in on him. He's young, and surely he'd still have the the... the you know, the, the, the lusts of his youth, uh, you, you consider his position and, and what's going on in his life. You know, he, he was stripped away from his family. He was sold into slavery. Uh, he, he had to do all this backbreaking work. He, he came in as a humble servant in Potiphar's household. And, and look at everything that I've done because of my faithful work, because of my service to Potiphar, look at the blessing that's on this household. And he could get misconfused and, and think that this is actually about him. And we see this in, again in the life of David. It says that as David's, as his throne was established, it says that he, he took wives unto himself. You see this pattern that as things are going good, as he's getting established on the throne in Israel, that he continues to add to himself wives, right? It's, it's messed up. He's treating himself because of this, I deserve this, right? And, and, and Joseph could have so easily been in this position where, where man, look at what I've done. I've made this house to, 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 to thrush, to, 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 to succeed. I've built up the, 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 the kingdom, the palace, the, the place, the house of Potiphar. I deserve this for myself, right? It, it, it's this messed up, perverted way of thinking, uh, but it's so common that he deserved it. But it wasn't true. This isn't some reward for his service. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, it says, 
Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. It's a warning. It's a warning to us, right? Uh, we, we have to, 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 to guard ourselves to be aware, uh, especially whether we're low or on a very, very high high, uh, that we're susceptible, we're vulnerable for temptation. Again, it's Jesus Christ at the beginning of his earthly ministry, right after the, the, this awesome point where, where God from heaven thunders down and claims Jesus as his beloved son in whom he's well pleased, that, that Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights of the devil, right? Where, where he's not uh, part, partaking in, in food or, or drink. And we see this great temptation come for a season. Next, uh, we, we see that temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sin. Uh, and, and again, uh, this is something to, to, to reckon that just because we're tempted doesn't actually mean that, that we're in sin. Uh, whenever we're tempted, there's a way for, for escape. Uh, key point number three, and this is going to be our last key point, is that we have to value purity over pleasure. We have to uh, value purity over pleasure. Uh, and again, for, for Joseph, this is a, a big cost account. Um, oftentimes, purity actually costs you something, and you, you don't really think of it in terms of an economy. Uh, for, for David, purity cost him a very high price. Uh, and, and we see, especially as we continue to read the story, that it was worth it. Uh, but, but here in this passage, we see that because Joseph chose purity, it meant that he lost his coat again. Right? This dude's the king of losing coats, <laughs> right? It, it meant that he, he lost his garment. Um, it meant that he, he lost his position of prestige in, in this household. And it meant that he went from like slave to, to prisoner. Like you thought it couldn't get lower, Joe. And it did, Right. It cost him a great deal to prioritize, to pursue purity. It cost him a great deal, but it is worth it. Uh, too often, our value, and instead of it being in purity, is in pleasure. And, and that's easy because in pleasure, there's instant gratification. But it's for a season. It's for a season. We, we ought to value purity over pleasure. And so... Uh, you know, as we consider the life of Joseph, as we consider chapter 39, uh, we see Joe come into Egypt uh, very, very low. And, and as we wrap up this point, <laughs> uh, we, we leave him off very, very low. And it can seem, again, like a, a hopeless place. And it seems like this cycle they keep falling into. Uh, the beautiful thing is uh, that we see in here keys to surviving and to living in this world. Again, Egypt is this this type, this picture of the world. And we see that Joseph came into Egypt and the Lord was with him. And the beautiful part about this is as we continue to read, uh, you know, as we get to, to verse 21, like the very next verses, it tells us that the Lord was with Joseph, right? That he showed mercy unto him, right? And so the, the Lord didn't give up on Joseph just because his situations, just because life was going awry, the Lord did not give up on Joseph. He was still with them. And whenever he entered into Egypt, he found himself in a position of a servant. And, and, and instead of being mad, instead of being frustrated, instead of saying, woe is me, he saw an opportunity to serve others and to serve the Lord. And he did it well. He did it hardly as unto the Lord. And God was able to bless him in that. 
And then things started coming his way that didn't belong to him. And instead of seeing this as an opportunity of blessing for, for God to finally give him what he desired, what he, he wanted, what, what he deserved, he continued to pursue purity through all of that, right? And, and so my, my, my heart, my, my, my prayer, my, my desire for us as FOI is, man, that, that we would be servants in this world, but not to this world, right? That, that, that we'd find ourselves in service to others and in service to the Lord, and that that would be a beautiful testimony an example to this world. Uh, but whenever the world comes and, and tries to, to make deals and bargains with us, right? Whenever the, the world presents herself on a silver platter to us, uh, that we would recognize that, that the call is for us to be holy because our Lord, our God is holy. And that we'd see the price of purity and that we'd be willing to, to, to partake, right? And so uh, I'm going to end by, by, by praying for us. But before I pray, we're going to break up into our groups and we're going to take time to pray over these things. But God has called you to be pure, right? He's called you to be a holy people and he's called you to be servants. Um, and so whether that's, you know, within the context of your group, whether that's talking as a group and meeting as a group, whether that's praying uh, with, with individuals in, in your Bible study, let's take the time to do that. To, to pursue purity together, right? Uh, to get accountable in those areas. The, the interesting about David, it's the, the times when kings went to war, right? So David should have been engaged in the battle. And, and the people that were keeping him accountable, his mighty men of valor, guess where they were at? They were in battle. There was no accountability in his life because they were all in battle. And we need to be accountable as brothers and sisters in Christ. And as James 5 says, to confess our sins one to another, right? Like that, that, that we'd make the, these prayers and that, that the effectual fervent prayer of this righteous man would avail much in our life. We, we need that. Um, but the, the other thing is whenever we're in our groups and Bible studies, I've got cards. And you're like, cool, gold cards. That's really, really neat. So this is really, really neat. So, so many of you know that, that Julie Myers, a dear sister, uh, her brother is really sick right now, right? Right now he's in uh, a medically induced coma. Uh, he's on a ventilator. Um, he's been on, on morphine all, all week. Like this is like not small stuff. And so Julie and her family are about to, to go up to Michigan uh, to be with family and to love on family. And uh, guys, I, I look around and there's people from different places in the world that speak different languages. And, and yet we all identify that, that we're family, right? And so uh, we have an opportunity to love on the Myers family. And so as we break into our groups, each Bible study, we'll be getting a card. If you want more cards, we have more cards. Uh, but we want to, to write cards and letters of encouragement to Julie and to her family that she can take with her to Michigan. And so um, if you're leading a breakout group, make sure that you come to get a card. And we're going to do this together as a group, right? And so let's take time to do that first. We're going to do the cards first with our group. And then we can break out into prayer, okay? Awesome. Lord, we want to acknowledge that you are good and that you are holy and that you are a good father and you're a good master. And so, Lord, it is a privilege to serve you. And, and, and we look at our lives and we see how, how horribly do we do that, you know? Uh, we, we see that the servants to be obedient. And then we look at our lives and we're like, shoot, <laughs> like we can't even do that. Like, 
you know, I think about Psalm 19, how the heavens declare the glory of God and how creation worships you perfectly. And yet the pinnacle of your creation, uh, us human beings, uh, we, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to be simply obedient to the things that you've called us to be. And so, Lord, we, we collectively want to say that we're sorry, uh, that we acknowledge that we're sinners, that we are self-focused and self-centered and that we want things our way. Um, and I mean, you know, we, we really want things your way. We just don't really know it all the time, Lord. And so, Lord, we just pray that you'd forgive us, Lord, for, for being poor stewards and poor servants. Uh, but we want our life to fall out to your glory. We want to be good servants to you. And so, Lord, we pray that, that you would teach us, uh, Lord, that we'd be faithful with the, the, the small things that you've given, really the big things. You've given us the gospel message. Lord, help us to be faithful with the things that you've given us, uh, that you could entrust us with more. Lord, help us to, to, to not just talk the talk, but to walk the walk, that, that the conversation of our life, uh, that the manner in which we live would, would bring you uh, great glory and honor and praise. That, that people would say, man, that the Lord is with that person uh, but, but because of how you're moving, because of our obedience to you. And, and Lord, we, we see a call to, to purity and to holiness, um, and yet our flesh wants what it wants. And so, Lord, uh, teach us to mortify our members. Um, te teach us to, to, to see that there's an always a way of escape. Uh, teach us to to be guarded uh, and to see that, that, that all of us are vulnerable, that none of us are uh, above sin and temptation. And Lord, teach us to, to value purity, even over pleasure. Uh, we, we, we pray for this desperately in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you're leading